0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. My name, as always, uh, Thomas Bendit. I'm here to guide us through some Big Ten Hoops talk. It is Sunday, May 21st of the year 2017. And it's it's kind of the, the, the doldrums of the offseason here in, in Big Ten Hoops. That's a the key reason why we haven't had a podcast here in a little bit. But you know, there's been enough stuff that is sort of piled up over the last few weeks. And really, I want to say last few months. Uh, Again, I apologize for the significant delay in podcasts here, but we're going to try to get in an off-season routine here. But, you know, I I don't want to force podcasts here for you guys. I I know you appreciate uh, when there's legitimate topics to the to discuss. I don't want to have a, a podcast every day to talk about nothing. So, but again, as I said, there's been enough that's built up here that I think we have a, a lot to talk about and some really exciting topics. So the big two things I want to dive into today for our 100th podcast, Spectacular. Very, very excited. And as always, you know, we thank all of you guys for checking out the podcast, for referring us, for telling other people about it. Um, we We've gotten great feedback since we started the podcast. Uh, appreciate it. We'll continue to do it. I'm, I'm sure the next 100 will be even better than the last 100. So thank, thanks again to all of you guys. Uh, love you all and happy to um, uh, keep this thing rolling, I guess. Keep this thing rolling. But the two things I want to dive into today. First, uh, the Big Ten's protected rivalry situation. Um, I wrote about it for BT Powerhouse on Friday. If you want to check out the article, feel free. It's up on the, the main part of the site right now, btpowerhouse.com. And the second is just some general NBA draft talk. There have been a number of decisions that have come out over the last couple of weeks, and we will be awaiting the remaining decisions here over the next couple of days. The cutoff is May 24th. We will certainly have a podcast after the cutoff because we will have new way too early Big Ten power rankings coming out then and we'll finally have a look at how the Big Ten's gonna look for next season or at least as firm as a look as we're gonna have for a while. So let's let's jump into this. Um I, I wanna I'll, I'll be doing the podcast solo here. We don't we don't have any guests on today, so just gonna be a lot of talking at everyone and hopefully you guys uh get used to my whiny voice here. <laughs> just kidding. But Let's let's dive into this protective rivalry um, topic. I, I want to start with the fact that just some general guidelines. I know everyone who listens to the podcast is probably a pretty pretty big time college hoops fan and a big time pen uh, fan, obviously, or at least has a, a pretty good awareness of it. But I want to I want to start with the general concept of how the Big Ten schedules and sort of how that process works. So the Big Ten plays 18 regular season conference games, you may ask, why do they play 18? And the answer uh, is is actually pretty simple. It's a dated answer, but it's because when the Big Ten was originally 10 teams, you would have nine opponents, because obviously you're not going to play yourself. And if you played them twice in a home-and-home, that would be 18 games. So the Big Ten has an 18-game conference schedule that has not been changed adapted anything since the Big Ten was at 10 teams so since the addition of Penn State since the addition of Nebraska and the additions of Maryland and Rutgers the Big Ten has not revised that you can debate whether that's a good or a bad decision but the simple point is the Big Ten has an 18 game schedule so you may ask okay so how do they work that well obviously since Penn State was added and obviously since the other three were added you can no longer play every team twice in a given season. You may play them twice with a big 10 tournament game, maybe an NCAA tournament game or what have you. But during the regular season conference play, you cannot play every team in the big 10 twice anymore. It's physically impossible. So what the big 10 does is they organize teams into double play categories and single plays. So, you know, for instance, we'll take Indiana, Indiana may play Illinois twice, but they may play Michigan once or they may play Michigan state twice or Minnesota once. It all, it all varies. But the the big point is, is you only play a set number of teams twice. This you may ask, obviously the, the question that arises out of there is so how do they pick the teams that you play twice versus the teams that you play once? And it's important to note as well, that uh, there is no set concept of, where you play these teams, regardless of whether you play them once or regardless of whether you play them twice. There isn't necessarily a set formula. The only rules are you play a certain number of teams twice, you play a certain number of teams once, and you're going to have nine home games and nine road games. Those are the only steadfast Big Ten scheduling rules, so to speak. But again, so getting back to the concept, okay, how do you check who you play twice? Well, the Big Ten has used a, uh, a policy of what I call a random schedule generator. There actually is a little bit more thought into it than that. So I I'd probably over-exaggerate. Uh, I shouldn't say probably. I over-exaggerated a little bit in the article about the randomness of the schedule selections. But it really is a random selection when you get down to the heart of it. So what they do is the double plays um, – we'll, we'll say, again, using Indiana as an example – we'll say they have a double play against Indiana this year. So what what's going to happen is they're not going to have a double play against uh, Indiana. I think I just screwed that up. <laughs> Sorry. So we'll say Indiana has a double play against Illinois this year. Hopefully I'm not repeating myself, but they're not going to have a double play with Illinois for some time. What they do is they try to have the double plays against teams. You haven't had the double plays against in a, the longest period of time. So for instance, if, Indiana plays Illinois in a double play this year. They're going to rotate in Maryland next year or Minnesota. It's the concept. They try to have those double plays rotate through the conference as effectively as possible, so to speak. Um, The one, the one issue is obviously there are a lot of moving parts. There are 14 teams that may not always work perfectly given the teams or giving the home road splits, those types of things. And as well, the big 10 has tried to or at least what I will say is uh, every time they've done an expansion so to speak what they've done is they've automatically put the rivalry games as the double plays and the reason um, they have done that is there has been a lot of pushback including from BT Powerhouse this has been a topic you can go back and check the podcast you can go back and check the site I've complained about consistently I know others have complained about it as well maybe not as uh, intensely as, as I have or BT Powerhouse has, but they, the rivalry games are not guaranteed. So what the Big Ten has done as what I refer to as sort of throwing some, <laughs> some scraps to the heaps of Big Ten fans is anytime they've had an expansion, they suddenly, every rivalry game is scheduled as a double play, even though it doesn't necessarily comply with the quote-unquote random schedule generator. But um, outside of those situations, which they did right after they added Maryland and Rutgers, um, as I said, it's, it's usually a, a random selection, just who you haven't played in the double plays as long as possible. They try to ro- rotate through them with some preference for the rivalries. But my, my biggest issue with this has been the fact that no rivalry games are currently protected as double play games. And um, that's regardless of, of what rivalry we're talking about. You know, Indiana-Purdue is not protected. Michigan-Michigan State is not protected. Northwestern Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, you know, go through them. Nothing is protected. And my issue with this is, I think it's a very short-sighted measure. And, um, let you know, let me, let me first go with the, the sort of company line, the reason they haven't been protected so far. So the main reason that, they haven't been protected is in the uh, theory of fairness, so to speak, and let me just explain this for a second. so our you know people who haven't spent excuse me as much time thinking about this can can understand you know what I'm talking about here um, your Your rival may or may not be an even opponent and and what I mean by this is you know Indiana and purdue historically, those two have been two of the strongest teams in the Big Ten. You know, Purdue has the most Big Ten regular season titles. Indiana, obviously, is considered by many to be a blue-blood basketball program. They recruit among the best of them, you know, typically on a, a year-to-year basis. They both have, have, have been strong in, in Big Ten plays, say the, say the least. You know, who's stronger in a given year or a given run is always a moving target, but usually they're both – pretty pretty solid but that is not necessarily true with all rivalries i mean if you jump over to minnesota wisconsin which some people don't think is as big of a rivalry i would it's not as big as indiana purdue obviously but some of the other ones minnesota certainly has not been as strong as wisconsin over the last couple decades i mean there's no disputing that um and personally i I think wisconsin this may pain gold gopher fans but I, i think they've moved up a tier so to speak I think they're permanently on, on sort of a different level. Maybe that moves, moves back over time. But Wisconsin, to me, is, is just a stronger program than Minnesota um, over, over time. I mean, when you're talking about multiple decades here, it's, it's hard to uh, ignore that, that kind of performance, I guess. But what, what that does is, for instance, if we guaranteed rivalry games for Minnesota and Wisconsin – Minnesota would always have a tougher schedule generally because they have to play Wisconsin twice now, including a trip to Madison, which is obviously one of the toughest games out there in the, in the Big Ten uh, regular season. Versus, let's say, you know, Nebraska, their rival may be Iowa. And, you know, as, as good as Iowa's been under Fran McCaffrey, they certainly can't hold to what, you know, Bo Ryan and Greg Gard so far as, have accomplished in Madison. And I, again, I, I know this is limited, you know, smaller samples, and I, I don't want to dive too much into you know projecting the big 10, 10 years out based on what it's like right now, because we all know things change. But my point here is that some teams, if you're going to guarantee rivalry games, will get a tougher schedule than others. And that, that's especially true when you add a, a team like Rutgers, which is undeniably the weakest team in the big 10 over the last 20, 30 years. I mean, they have since Northwestern has made the NCAA tournament this year, they now have the nation's uh, longest NCAA drought. I will anticipate that that will continue this year and uh, continue moving forward. So, I mean, I'm not trying to get down on Rutgers, but you know, if you get a double play with Rutgers versus a double play with Purdue, Wisconsin or in Indiana, It's a, a, that has a big impact on your schedule. And obviously we're talking about, you know, for instance, a, a team like Michigan, you can make a legitimate argument that they should have two protected rivalries. They should have a protected rivalry with Michigan state and a protected rivalry with Ohio state. I don't know if that is something fans necessarily want, but you could certainly make an argument that that's a setup that should happen. And uh, you could make it as well with, uh, you know, Iowa. Maybe they have Minnesota and Wisconsin, or, you know, that that whole triangle situation. That's going to be tougher than a team that gets to rotate in, you know, Penn State, Rutgers, programs like that that don't have that strong history. Which, again, I don't want to I don't want to push down Penn State or Rutgers and tell them, you know, they'll never be good or anything like that. I'm I'm not saying that at all, but. It, it's true you know your schedule is going to be affected if you have to have these guaranteed matchups with certain teams so which brings me back to the the bigger point here that's sort of been the company line you know if you start fixing these rivalry games sort of locking in portions of the schedule you're really going to be screwing certain teams and i i hate to say it that bluntly but you know for instance a couple years ago when michigan michigan state and ohio state won the big 10 uh I believe that was 2011, 2012. They split it. They tied for the Big Ten title. You know, if Michigan had a guaranteed double play against Ohio State, a guaranteed double play against Michigan State, which, by the way, I think they did that year. But if they had that, if you swapped out, you know, two of those games and replaced it instead, Michigan got Michigan State and Ohio State once, and then they got two games against Rutgers, you know, maybe Michigan wins it outright. I, I don't want to speculate. Certainly, you know, this is this is kind of getting, you know, <laughs> four or five rungs into our, our hypothetical situation. But you can make a strong argument the Big Ten champion would have been different had, uh, you know, with today's scheduling setup or protecting rivalries versus not protecting rivalries. And I know, again, you can't change one thing without changing the rest. And you could make the same argument, you know, for Ohio state or Michigan state, if they only had to play the other team once instead of twice. But my point here is, is that I, I tend to agree that the schedule fairness, you know, so to speak will be impacted by guaranteed rivalry games. However, to me, it's still worth it. Even if you're going to have certain teams with a little bit of a tougher schedule than others, I I just think from a big 10 perspective and a long-term perspective, you really have to keep in mind that these are the games that get fans excited. These are the games that get on national TV. These are the games that sell out. And these are the games that get recruits to commit to your school. You know, for instance, Michigan state, if you have seen Michigan state, you know, East Lansing and the Breslin center, when they host a game against Michigan and then you go there for a game when they host it against Rutgers or Illinois or something, it is an entirely different atmosphere, not only from the fan perspective, but the team perspective. And when you look over in the the section where the recruits are visiting, it's totally, totally different. And the thing is, is you're sort of short selling the fans, the team, uh, the recruiters for the respective schools when you you take away that environment. Um, and, and my example is, you know, two years ago, Michigan and Michigan State only played once. They played in Ann Arbor. So Michigan State missed out on that opportunity. And the same was true for the Indiana-Purdue uh, game that year when Purdue didn't get a home game. And it's, you, you can make an argument of whether in a given year, that's the biggest home game for those schools. But I can tell you, Nine times out of 10, Indiana-Purdue, if you're an Indiana or a Purdue fan, that's going to be your best home game. Now, I know Indiana fans are probably sitting in their cars screaming about, well, when we played Kentucky, that was the biggest home game, which is probably true, but you don't have Kentucky on the schedule anymore. So I think based on how things look currently and project into the future, which can always change, Purdue, nine times out of 10, is probably going to be the biggest home game. You know, maybe you happen to get... You know, like last year where you had North Carolina come to town. But most of the time, that's going to be your biggest game, and certainly in Big Ten play. And, you know, the same is obviously true for Purdue as well. And the thing is, is that you're cheating. (laughs) To me, you're cheating those fans out of it. You're cheating the season ticket holders, the donors, the recruits. And if you're the Big Ten, I think, you know, maybe you're quote-unquote hurting a team by giving them a little bit of a tougher schedule. But at the same time, if you're getting national exposure, if you're getting a huge primetime audience instead of BTN, uh and again, not to not to, I don't want to rip BTN, I don't want to rip some of these other ones, but the the games just they don't have the same firepower in terms of appeal for a general person. I mean, I I can say this as I as I talk about on this podcast all the time. I live in Michigan. I'm a I'm a Michigan guy myself, but College basketball in the in the state of Michigan, and I know this varies state to state, but in the state of Michigan, it's usually on the back burner. Um, you know, it, once you get into March, obviously college basketball takes over everything. And that happens almost everywhere. But when starting in November through February, college basketball is almost always on the back burner. You know, in November, it's behind college football. In December, it's behind the NFL. And in January... Again, it's probably behind the NFL and the NBA to a certain extent is, is bigger. And certainly in a, in a place like Detroit and Michigan, hockey is probably right there. If not uh, bigger than it on the, just, and I, and I'm not talking about ratings for game A or game B. I'm, I'm talking about just the general discussion. You know, what, what are people talking about around the water cooler? What are they talking about with their families? And I I think college basketball is usually pretty far down on that list. Um, And outside of March, I don't think it's ever number one on a day-to-day basis, at least in Michigan. It could be different. You know, Indiana's obviously a pretty college basketball crazy state. So maybe it's bigger you know, it's number one there in in some of those time periods I was talking about. But most of the time, it's not going to draw. You know, if if you listen to sports radio on a given day in January – what are they probably talking about? What's happening in the NFL playoffs? Who's going off in the NBA? You know, NHL, how's, how's that team trending? And I'm, I'm talking about Detroit here. And I'm sorry to, to get off topic with, with Detroit and Michigan so much. But when Michigan and Michigan State play, though, they talk about the game. They talk about it. It gets an audience. It gets people fired up at work. It gets people in the community ready to roll. And those games are always big for those teams. And I I think the thing is, is why would why would you short sell yourself, short sell your conference on that? To me, the thing is, is like you sit back and you say, if you're the Big Ten, you want to get as many people into it as possible. You want the national audience. You want those prime time experiences that people are going to get fired up about, because in the long term, it's only going to help your league. And, you know, you we've seen other conferences already do this. The ACC, Duke and North Carolina play twice every year. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, in all honesty, that the Big Ten has a rivalry that's on that level in basketball, because they probably don't. Um, with all due respect, Indiana and Purdue, I, I don't think they have quite that level of rivalry. But they, they've protected that rivalry. They know that's a big game. They know that will get the attention. And – if you if you reel back and look at other leagues, the SEC does it now. They guarantee certain opponents you play twice every year. And the thing for me is, there's no the, if the reason is is because oh a game or two of your conference schedule might be a little bit tougher or a little bit easier based on it. To me that that's just it's not worth losing out on on all of that extra publicity and frankly money too because. If, if the game's getting bumped up to ESPN instead of BTN or uh, apparently Fox sports now, and I'm at the big 10 going to Fox, as you can tell, I'm not super excited about, but you know, gets bumped up there uh, or, or CBS as well. You know, we shouldn't, shouldn't forget about that contract that that's going to get you more money too. So, I mean, the thing for me is it's a very short sighted approach, but the reason this topic has come up recently is, It appears the Big Ten is finally going to start protecting some of these rivalry games, in particular, Purdue, Indiana, and Michigan, Michigan State. And I know there's been some discussion as well for Illinois Northwestern. Um, I'm not sure if any other rivalries are really on the table at this point, but I know those three have popped up as three that could be protected, and particularly IUPU and um, Michigan MSU. I, I know those two are prime, prime candidates to be protected. My, my proposal has always been, um, and I, I detail this in the article, so I won't repeat it all, but I'd really like to see the Big Ten kind of doing a, a laid-back like kind of a mixed approach. I don't like the idea of guaranteeing a rivalry for every team in the Big Ten. I just don't like it, because whether people want to hear it or not, certain teams just don't have big-time rivalries. They just don't. I mean, Penn State doesn't. Maryland doesn't. Rutgers doesn't I mean I think you can make an argument that certain teams have sort of a budding rivalry you know I think Iowa Nebraska is primed to become a very legitimate rivalry here over the next couple of years as well as Maryland Penn State I think you're starting to see a little bit of the fire out of those teams when they when they start to play but they're not rivalries yet and so the thing for me is this concept of Okay, we need everyone to have a rivalry now so it's equal and, and no one feels left out. It doesn't make sense. It it just doesn't. You know, we all can sit back and understand, yeah, you know, Indiana wants to play Purdue twice every year, but Penn State doesn't need to play Rutgers twice every year. Or, you know, Penn State doesn't need to play Maryland twice every year, right now. But what I would like to see is an independent committee created by the Big Ten that includes former coaches, former players and media members who will make a list of the rivalries that will be protected. And, of course, they can get input from the schools, um, input from the conference as well. And the reason I'd like I'd like to see this is because what they could do is have, you know, whether it's an annual basis, excuse me, whether it's every two years, every five years, every 10, whatever, and they can say, okay, you know, right now we have X number of rivalries that we think are, are good enough that they need to be protected. They need to be played twice. Otherwise, let them roll. We don't, we don't need these double plays protected. But they can say, you know, five years down the road, hey, you know what? Maybe Nebraska-Iowa, we thought it was going to be a big-time rivalry. It's not. We don't need to protect it anymore. Okay, remove it from the list and then keep rotating. Or, you know, hey, Maryland-Penn State, it's, it's reached a level where this is a rivalry that needs to be protected. I think that would be really cool. I think it would also be awesome in the sense that they could sort of play out things where if they see a team is rolling or another team is rolling, they could start even messing with it to the extent where, you know, uh, Wisconsin and Michigan state, they had a little bit of a, a fiery thing going back and forth a couple of years back. Hey, throw them in there for a couple of years. See, see where it goes. Give the Big Ten fans the best matchups they can see. I, I would love to see that, that sort of approach. Um, I, whether that's going to happen or not, I don't know. But the advantage to me is, first off, you would still get all the, all the big protective rivalries that fans like me want to see, and you would also minimize the number of rivalries that impact the schedule. So you're trying to keep it as fair as possible. Because, you know, if Michigan and Michigan State are going to play twice every year, Michigan's not going to rotate through the rest of the opponents as quickly same with Michigan State but if we're only protecting that one game um, just assuming because you have to play every team at least once so the thing is, is you're really only impacting one game um, in the entire league, but if you're going to have to guarantee that every team has a conference rivalry, if not two, I mean you kind of. now we're, we're talking about a ton of games here and a ton of things are going to be affected. So I think that would minimize the impact. And I also think it would, it would get all the positives that fans are hoping for, but I'm going to leave the rivalry talk at that. Nonetheless, as I said, I'm very excited about this announcement. I think it's a great move in the right direction. And I do think it's ultimately going to yield really, really nice results for fans, but moving on to our next topic, I, I did it. You know, if you're, if you're still hanging around with us here, I, I wanted to dive into some NBA draft talk specifically on some of these guys who have yet to decide or have already decided. And I'm going to start with the big one. Miles Bridges announced that he was going to forgo the 2017 NBA draft, return to Michigan state for his sophomore season. I, I don't know if there's a ton that needs to be said about this because I, I think the impact is pretty self-explanatory, but this is massive. I mean, Miles Bridges instantly is now the preseason Big Ten player of the year. He's instantly preseason All-American. And Michigan State has instantly become the Big Ten favorite and a, an odds-on favorite, so to speak, to make the Final Four. I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to be the favorite for the national title when the season starts. But I know I, I just saw an article that they did have moved up to number one right now. That may change in the course of the next couple of weeks. But if you're a Spartan fan, you should be excited. I think this is going to have a huge impact on next season. And if Michigan State can finish out this next couple of months here without any bad news, without any surprise transfers, and and maybe add another piece, because I, I still think they have an open scholarship or two. Um, I know they're still playing on the recruiting trail a little bit, but find somebody to help out in that backcourt or or see some real progression from guys like uh, Cassius Winston they're going to be sitting pretty um wow Michigan State actually has three spots left of now if I'm on verbal commits so hopefully this is accurate but I believe they have three spots left uh, scholarships for next season maybe some of those will get taken up by by walk-ons I know they just added one um in the form of a transfer but You have to feel good. If you're, if you're a Spartan fan, I I think this is a team that can very well compete for the national title. I think they're going to be the, I think they're the most talented team in the big 10 by a decent margin right now that may change. Well, you you know what? I don't think that will change. I think they will be the most talented. I don't know whether they're the, the best. I think that'll depend on how some of these NBA decisions shake out here in the next week or two. Well, just next couple of days, I guess, uh, with the 24th coming up here, but Huge news! Huge news for the Spartans, obviously. Um, moving on to a couple others, um, not too surprising. Purdue's Isaac Haas announces he's returning to Purdue, and then Ohio transfer uh, Jaron Simmons, who came from Ohio, um, he transferred to Michigan. He also announced he's coming back. To me, Simmons, no surprise. You know, zero out of ten on the surprise factor. Everyone knew he was coming back, but he just made it official. Um, Haas is a big is a big one, both literally and figuratively. I, I know on this podcast I've been a little uh, skeptical of what he's going to be next season, but with the likely decision that Caleb Swanigan's going to the NBA, which could change. I mean, he can always announce he's coming back. They needed some, some depth up front. You know, Vincent Edwards is still hanging out there as well. I don't believe he's made a decision one way or the other. So, I mean, Purdue needed <laughs> something proven up front, and I think – Haas is obviously a guy who can do that. He'll be projected into a starting role. And, you know, we'll we'll see what he can do with that. And we'll see what Purdue ultimately uh, shakes out. But, you know, Michigan's still awaiting two decisions from Reitz Wagner and DJ Wilson. Purdue is also awaiting decisions from Vincent Edwards and Caleb Swanigan. If I'm projecting those four at this point, I think DJ Wilson goes pro. I think Caleb Swanigan goes pro. I think Vincent Edwards and Maurice Wagner are going to come back to school so that that would be my gut check right now uh as far as those guys um a couple others I believe we've already talked about this one but Melo Trimble is leaving Maryland heading to the NBA obviously a huge loss I don't know if many people had a ton of hope he was going to come back I know he made the surprise decision last offseason to come back for for another year but I don't, know, I don't know how many people felt he was going to come back for next season, but huge loss. I mean, you're talking about one of the most consistent players in the big 10 over the last couple of years, absolute all big 10 type of player over um, what his three seasons at, at Maryland. Uh, crazy how fast time flies, but great, great player. And, and Maryland's going to have some big questions as, as far as the backcourt goes next year. I do think they have the guys to get it done. Um, I wrote about this on BT powerhouse for anyone who's interested, but you know it's it's going to they're going to have to have some players step up and play some big minutes so that'll be something to watch um indiana did get some unfortunate news from a couple of guys thomas bryant and james blackman both announced that they would be entering the nba drafts, hiring agents and and when i say announced the these are actually reports i'm not sure if these guys actually officially announced it but um appears that they're both going to be heading to the nba huge loss for indiana i mean in Archie Miller's first season, you you can already tell it's going to be a rebuilding project. I know this is something that a lot of Indiana fans are worried about. Um, as far as letting Tom Crean go is because they had so many guys on the fence as far as the the draft went. But the the good news as far as um, excuse me as far as Indiana goes for next year is they still have a lot of players on the roster. It's not like they were oversigned before these guys went to the NBA. So they're actually in pretty good position as far as players on the roster goes and, and decent players. But they're going to be young. They're going to be very unproven. Um, going to be a lot of question marks about new look Indiana for next year. But, um, you know, Blackman never quite had the career fans had hoped to see with him. You know, big-time, five-star recruit who, who never really lived up to the hype. He had a really nice freshman year. Um, and, and whether that's fair or not, I don't know. But that um, was certainly there about him being a, a big-time player. Never really quite turned into that. But he was a, he was a nice player for Indiana. Thomas Bryant, I, I think really nice players for the Hoosiers. And it looks like he'll be heading out uh, to the NBA. But um, a couple of the decisions that are, are still hanging out there for the Big Ten as a whole – um, I mentioned the Michigan guys still out there in uh, no man's land. I mentioned the guys, but um, the, the big one that I, that I haven't really talked about is Justin Jackson for Maryland. Um, coming off a really productive fresh season, he's, he's in the draft pool. I know he's, he's kind of on that end of the first round projection, so to speak. So, I mean, he's going to have a decision to make. He's going to have a difficult one. I don't know which way he's going to go. I, I don't really have a, a good feel about him, at least at least good enough for me to make some sort of thought pick with any sort of, you know, uh, certainty, so to speak. I, I think you can make a very good argument for him to stay in the draft and roll with it. I think you can make a very good argument for him to come back. You know, next year's draft should be a weaker one. I do think he has a lot of things he can improve on um, for this season, but the impact will be significant. That's the one thing I will say. If, if he does leave, I, I think Maryland goes from a top-tier Big Ten teams to probably more of a NCAA tournament team, you know, more of a – I don't know if they'll be a bubble team. I, I still think they would make it relatively comfortably, but they, they will not be a surefire uh, tournament team by any means in the sense – you know, a no-doubt team. I, that, that's, how, that's a better term. They will no longer be a no-doubt NCAA tournament team And I I think they're going to have some growing pains next year if Jackson does leave. If he returns, I think Maryland will be a pretty solid NCAA tournament team without a ton of doubt, and a potential Big Ten outside dark horse shot at at title, barring, you know, again, Michigan State has sort of separated itself from the field right now. So we don't quite know how good that Spartan team is going to be, but... Based on the early projections, I don't know if anyone's going to challenge them too much in Big Ten play. I do think it'll be close because it's almost always close in, in the Big Ten title race, but they're certainly uh, the class of the field as things look right now. But overall, it'll be an exciting next couple of days. I'm expecting some a lot of Big Ten fans to be happy as far as some of these decisions shake out, but... Who knows? You know, some of these guys, you know, you never know what what the agents are saying to them. You never know what the NBA teams are saying, but nonetheless, next week we will have a firm feel on who's coming back, who's going pro and we'll be excited to talk about that. But with that, I'm going to end this week's podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. You can check us out on Twitter at BT powerhouse or me at T Bendit Um, Check out a lot of great stuff on the site right now at btpowerhouse.com. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do. You can do it through any of the normal podcast avenues, iTunes. Um, I think we're on – if you have a podcast app, we're going to probably show up on it. So encourage everyone to do that and enjoy um, the drama around the – lack of drama around the NBA playoffs, but drama around the NBA draft uh, declaring deadline here. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.